Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production, the podcast. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and I'm in the tunnel. It is pitch black, but I see a faint light coming through the other side. Is it a train? Is it daylight? I don't know. Episode 66 after this. Before I get to this week's topic, I want to encourage you to send me your comments and feedback. Please email thisweekinproduction at gmail.com or call me on my Google voicemail. I'm not going to answer, but it's it's a voicemail box that you can leave a message. 601-564-TWIP, T-W-I-P, 601-564-8947. Like I said, I'd love to hear from you, comments, suggestions, good, bad, or whatever. You want to yell at me? You want to tell me I suck? Please, I welcome it. Okay, let's get back to this week's topic. It was very interesting. Last week's podcast on a big job I did on a software platform called Mimo Live got some attention from the developer, got a lot of listens, more than I've had in a single episode in a single week. So that was fun and interesting. And the job that I had started with that Mimo platform eventually resolved itself by going to Microsoft Teams to be finished. If you're not familiar with episode 65, I was hired to remotely produce a Shark Tank style show. And it was going to be all done on my software platform in my control room using Mimo Live to do all of the remote recording, all the ISOs, all the remote connections. And I talked about that on last week's episode. But Even though the overall end experience was good, I think the client still had some reservations. And so we couldn't get all of the recording done in the allotted two-day block that we had. So the client scheduled the finale for another day this particular week. And that job was not going to be finished on Mimo because we, we didn't prove that we could do it, for one, and they were hesitant. And it was going to be a lot of connections and a lot of recording. And even though they couldn't do exactly what I could have done in Mimo on Microsoft Teams, they knew that they could get their people connected to it and we could do something. So that was a little bit of a letdown for me because I knew I could do better the second go around with Mimo, knowing where the limitations were mainly being uh, data bus overload and multi-box overload probably and things like that. But you can't really convince the client unless you can guarantee. And as we all know in production, there are no guarantees and I'm not going to guarantee something like that anyway. And if they ask for it, then they're, they're as crazy as I am. So we did it on Microsoft Teams and that is just a terrible terrible platform for remote production. And I know it's not made for that. 
but compared to Zoom, which is a little more friendly for recording and doing things like that, um, Microsoft Teams just isn't as good. And what that means for production and for the editor who, you know, we had to hand off all these recordings to, he was not going to get ISO records of each participant. He was not going to get multi-box splits of all of the teams. He wasn't going to get um, all of the pieces that you would normally want in a production to tell your story. So we did some screen recording. I used Mimo Live on one machine where I did a window capture of the team's meeting and I pinned, uh, let's say, the judge's team. And I pinned them on my system and I was able to record that as a, as a composite. And then I had a second system running just a quick time screen capture also with a Teams call with a different set of pinned participants. You know, you have to use Loopback, which is a great little audio plugin for the Mac that lets you do virtual audio routing. You have to do that to get the audio back in from the conference into your recording so you can sync it. And then they wanted like the, what we'd call in Zoom, the gallery view. That's everyone on the call. And of course, you know, in, in Teams, you can do it if you pin everybody. And that was our plan. And I had uh, my, my compadre, Tom, who you may have listened to last week on the Mimo discussion. He was going to assist with that third recording. And I was going to have him pin all the participants so we could get a grid or a gallery of that group. But on maybe because we're on the free version of teams and we're not licensed not not like the org that is putting on the the conference um we don't seem to have all the same controls and we could not get more than you know seven people pinned into a screen and again i'm not sure what that limitation is really if it's a license if it's just the software if it's something else, don't really know. And I don't, I don't like doing Teams because it doesn't have the cloud recording component attached with at least my client's license. And we don't have the NDI support. And I don't think that exists on the Mac anyway. So for now, Teams is not my favorite method. The job is done, though. It's been invoiced. It wasn't how I drew it up. We executed you know, pretty good, but not perfect. A little bit of it was the unknown. How many can you do? Don't know. Haven't tried it. Well, now we do. Now we know. I'm going to do some more testing for this platform just to see what the limitations are. Can I change the recording from H.264 to something like ProRes? Maybe that will be easier on the processor or on the data bus, or maybe it will make no difference. I don't know. These are the questions that no one really has until you have tested yourself. And I have to do that just for my own purposes. I'll, of course, share that with the community if I can come to some concrete conclusions. But there seems to be a lot of interest in seeing how far a system can go. And, and it's an unknown on many levels because you have all kinds of factors on any given system, a laptop, a desktop, a tower, 
Is it got the mobile graphics or does it have discrete graphics or, you know, what's the hard drive performance? What's the, the bandwidth on the internet connection on the router? I mean, so many factors. So it's going to be hard to qualify, but on a given system, I think I can come out with a basic guide of what will work and what won't. And that's my goal. Don't know when I can get to that, but it is on my to-do list um, to come up with a benchmark for Mimo. The other big job that resolved itself this week was my corporate virtual golf outing. And if you'd listened to some of the past episodes, I've been talking about all of these things. On last week's episode, we had completed a rehearsal, a tech rehearsal, which was nice. We had a, a steady cam with a camera that was following a golfer live, playing a hole of golf. And we were uncertain if the bonded cellular that we were using in a backpack from a company named Intenor out of Sweden, if it would hold the signal, if it would look good, if you know there wouldn't be any dropouts. And we had a backup system which was a KU band satellite uplink, a dedicated five megabit uplink. And we had a second feed on a uh, fiber cable. So we looped out of the uh, backpack uh, onto a piece of tactical fiber and that ran a thousand feet back to the uplink station on the golf course. And again, not ideal, but of course, if you're trying to prevent uh, problems, catastrophic problems, or you're trying to have a fail safe. If I had done something like wireless and we had a problem with the wireless link, right, that wouldn't be a good backup. So we were hardwired to the backpack on a piece of tactical fiber, thousand feet to the satellite dish to another uh, encoder made by Intenor. And, you know, we had good, good luck on our, our test. And I had uh, Intenor help me with some of the settings and we fine-tuned the encoding and some of the latency. And we got it down to about a second more latency than the bonded cellular, which is pretty impressive. So we had that test last week when I recorded episode 65. Well, Monday of this week, I actually had the first show. And that was... That was interesting. I, I would say overall it went very well, but it was a little chaotic, a little uncertain on many parts. We had my control room, which was receiving the bonded cellular and the satellites from the field. And then I was feeding into a vMix system on a PC, um, the signals to be mixed in with the guests, which were on a This was like a custom experience, and it was going to be on a on a different platform originally. <laughs> and at the last minute, they wound up going back to a custom Zoom interface. But it was a vMix call, and I was dumping my virtual camera from Mimo into vMix, and I was going to hot switch the cameras if I had lost cellular for reasons or whatever, I would hot switch here and it would just feed virtual camera into the vMix. Well, we had a few challenges, um, comms being one of them, because we had the, um, the main control room, if you will, the company putting on the 
integration of the clients and the live streaming piece, they were on Unity Intercoms and they have their own Unity, I guess, uh, local instance, not the Unity Cloud, which is a on-demand service. But we were using their Unity system and they set it up for how they thought the production was going to work. They wanted to be able to talk to my cameraman and my crew, my uh, stage manager. But uh, I also needed to have separate communication channels with them for other production-related things, maybe different than the main control room. So we had a few little hiccups getting uh, channels set up for production, for field tech, you know, for um, guest control. And, you know, I like Unity. I like the Unity Intercom. It works really well. I've run it for the Iditarod jobs. And, you know, you can use it on a cell phone. And as long as you've got cellular or Wi-Fi, like, you know, it's really pretty good. The There's two problems with Unity, especially on a remote site when you're using your phone, is that you burn up your phone's battery pretty quick. And that, of course, leads to some other issues like, okay, um, we we didn't have enough external battery packs to charge phones either during the day or in between takes or whatever. So we had a couple of guys who lost their, their phones towards the end of the day, which was frustrating. And then aside from the intercoms, the biggest challenge, and I, I find this very common amongst live streaming productions was audio. And the, the devil, the devil word in audio, which is latency. So we had a plan originally that the golfer was going to wear a pair, a brand new pair of AirPod Pros that we would provide. So they'd be sanitized in a box, brand new to them. And that would be tethered to an iPad. And the iPad would be connected on Wi-Fi to a hotspot. And the idea would be that the audio for the live stream would be coming through the vMix call that the iPad was connected to. And they would hear it. That would be the microphone for the talent. And they could talk to them uh, back and forth with the guests. And it seemed like a good plan. It was the only way really to not have latency. We started off and it worked pretty well. We had a couple of times where I thought it was maybe Bluetooth range, but they, the producer from the other company seems to think it was more of an internet connectivity issue, which it's, it's hard to say because I wasn't seeing you know the end result. I'm only seeing my end of it, which is the feeds from the camera and what's going out to the other control room. But I, I guess there was some latency issues there and some dropouts. But you have to anticipate other methods. And we, we had, you know, we're not only doing this live for the guests, but we're shooting it and recording it for an edit that'll be delivered in a slightly different manner down the road to those same guests. And so I had a, a wireless mic, a lav on the talent. We also had a backup shotgun mic on the Steadicam. So when we started losing audio, I said, well, maybe you guys can just pull in what I'm feeding you over the uh, vMix call, pull in that sound, because that's coming through 
um, the system. And like, no, it's it's too much latency. And, you know, I get it. Like, you need to have things in time. But if you're not hearing something, go to it even if it's out of sync. And that was a challenge all day. The iPad and the AirPods worked well most of the day. But again, you have problems. So the iPad has to stay connected the entire walk up a 400-yard fairway. And that was problematic at times. I don't know if it was the MiFi or, like I said before, the Bluetooth. I thought it was Bluetooth, but they seem to be more comfortable saying the range on those things is at least 100 feet. I have not had that kind of luck with Bluetooth, but it needs more more testing, more benchmarking to really have a good solid number on that. But we we did get through the day, and even though we had some latency issues, we're, we're trying to rectify those for the next go-around, which is next week. I got 10 more of these to do, so we want to get the process right. But the iPad has to run from start to finish, and of course, that means the battery life is going to be challenging. And I had backup tablets, but one was a Surface because we weren't sure that the iOS client was going to work with vMix. But then getting the Surface to work was its own set of complications. And I'm not really, I'm an Apple guy. So using a Windows product becomes like a foreign language to me. So that was problematic. We tried charging in the cart in between takes, but there really was not enough time in the day scheduled for you know, just a little recovery. They were literally going from group to group to group with about one minute to turn. And if we ran late, it was like a no minute to turn. So that was really hard. It was hard for the Steadicam operator. It was hard for my PA who was carrying the backpack and walking along the Steadicam. And it just made logistics like we need five minutes to swap batteries on the camera or on the uh, backpack challenging. But we got through the day. The client seems to understand now we need a little more buffer between groups in the schedule, maybe shorten the amount of time that the golfer is spending remotely with these guests and give us like maybe a 10-minute window instead of a five-minute window. Might go a long way. Plus, some more breaks would be good. I hope the Steadicam operator is still interested in doing job two for me because we're going to be in the same city for three trips we're in Houston this week. We're in Atlanta last week. It looks like I have to go to Vegas myself. I was planning to run all the shows remotely here. I just don't have any key people that I can trust. I have to go out and manage that job site two times in November. Not thrilled about that, but uh, you got to do what you got to do, right? You got you to keep the ball rolling, keep the circus train moving. So that that job went well. We are going to make some tweaks. We're going to get an iPad now with a built-in cellular setup. And hopefully it won't need the jetpack and a a Wi-Fi link. That that may have been part of the problem. So now I'm just burning money. Uh, I'm ordering data cards and iPad, brand new iPads, to make this work on three different uh, events in three cities in the same week. So I can't share any gear. I have to split it all up. And that includes the tactical fiber and the um, 
converters, the uh, media converters to go from BNC to fiber. All of that stuff has to be replicated. I'm going to have to rent some stuff in Vegas. I need to ship some cable around, which is not, <laughs> wasn't planned. So I'm ordering Pelican boxes that, you know, can fit a reel in there. Not ideal. And then just the, the logistics, making sure that some gear is staying in Houston, some gear is coming back to Atlanta, some gear has to go to Tampa, and then I have to have some gear in Las Vegas. So challenging, uh, keeps you on your toes, makes me wake up sometimes in the middle of the night as I try and wrap my head around details that I may be forgetting. I make notes all over the place, mostly in the computer, but different cloud notes, just trying to remember things, tell people things that I, I need to tell them and I don't always remember to tell them at the right time. So that's my fun, my fun week. But I do see some light. I think it's not a train coming. I'm not certain. You never can be certain, but it feels like it's a little bit of oxygen coming out of that tunnel and that's a good thing. I hope you enjoyed this week in production. I'm your host, Art Aldridge. Hope to see you back here next time. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening.